and welcome to Radio Edict. My name is Trisha. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is a much-awaited one with our special guest, Vignesh Hampapura, Ashoka University's very first undergraduate Rhodes Scholar. Vignesh graduated with a summa cum laude in English last year and is currently writing his undergraduate thesis on Girish Karnath's play, Haya Vadana. He has been a literary journalist with Scroll.in and a research consultant at Sahapedia. At Ashoka, he was a founding member of both Sandhi, the Languages Society, and the outgoing coordinator of Epigraph, the Literary Society. He also served as an academic counselor for the YSP, and having been trained in Karnataka music, was an integral member of the Indian Choir. The list goes on. Today, we will talk about the coveted Rhodes Scholarship, the application process, the hurdles that Vignesh encountered, his interests, and his experience of, of university, and what after. Welcome to the podcast, Vignesh. It is our pleasure to have you with us. And once again, congratulations on the roads. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. My pleasure to be here, actually. Thank you very much for me. So, Vignesh, I think we're all curious about what, uh, where you were when you first heard the news and what the reaction at home was like. Yeah, so I was in front of the laptop in, uh, you know, and in, a, in the Zoom call in which they were announcing the thing. And it took, uh, I mean, they'd given us a time and then that for us to get in. So we were all, I think, a bit anxious, uh, all the uh, candidates. And then after telling us too, we had to stay on the call and, you know, talk for a little while. So my parents and my sister and my grandmother that this had happened uh, and I came out and I tell, told them so this this is how it happened but my sister it, uh, I realized after that uh, had you know already baked brownies uh, and and she'd done that in the afternoon itself she told me because she was uh, because she said well if you get in then you know celebration if you don't get in then mm. there are always brownies so <laughs> how sweet but, uh, uh, so, Vignesh, tell us about your interests. How and why did you choose your extremely niche field of study? Especially since you took up completely different uh, subjects in school, having studied science. Hmm. By, by a niche, you mean literature is niche? Uh, no, your, your uh, interest within literature. So, working on uh, Girish Karnad's um, uh, piece, as well as looking at uh, the conflict of desire, I think. Uh, yeah, design and identity. Yeah. yeah, you see, okay, that happened, uh, that happened because of my interest in theatre. I, I was introduced to theatre fairly at, at a young age and at Mysore, there is this wonderful institution called Rangayana, mm -hmm. uh, which is a professional state-funded uh, repertory. And, you know, the state-funded bit helps simply because that you don't have to look for funding. So there's always that thing that's there. And they produce plays every weekend, there is a show. And uh, except oh, wow. for the pandemic, if not for the pandemic, we would have had like a, uh, you know, continued uh, show from the past so many years. Every Sunday, there is a show. So whenever I had the, uh, and it's also priced very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. uh, the price is very inexpensive. I mean, so, uh, Every, whenever I had the opportunity, every Sunday I went there and, uh, and being there was a magical experience. Uh, it was much better than, 
film for me and mm. in many ways i think uh, i couldn't finish uh, reading a lot of books that i picked up but a theater show would get over in the time in which it is their play would get over so i so that's where my interest in theater began uh, i think after coming to ashoka and uh, in the in great books professor menon's great books uh, mm. that the many themes that we discussed there i found in girish karnat's plays when i came back and i was reading those plays in the summer so uh, in a sense that's where i think uh, i started thinking about uh, sexuality gender mm-hmm. you know identities questions uh, in girish karnat's plays and i picked one of them for my thesis so that's how that happened so apart from uh, the great books course that you did, did do you have any professors at university mentors literary influences etc that contributed to this interest yeah you see and you know interest right now uh, mm-hmm. these interests that we are talking about are there because i'm writing my thesis and so that that's how i can say it but otherwise i think i've been what drew me into literature is that i don't don't have to define a kind of this particular interest i remember that when when you know uh, reading whatever story you pick up reading short stories and discussing them with my grandmother or reading the hungry tide and discussing with my english teacher in my uh, 11th and 12th standard that mm. there were so many themes that we could pick up especially the hungry tide i remember we were talking about translation we were talking about ecology we were talking about you know idealism and teaching and idealism how does that relationship work out about geography uh, and so many subjects so many ideas yet in the phrasing of something that's not real right mm-hmm. fiction i think that inter- interconnectedness uh, was what invited me uh, and uh, and so uh, that has only been uh, expanded at ashoka university uh, with i should say if you ask me influences at the university i should simply say the english and creative writing department because it's <laughs> such brilliant and generous people uh, but if i have to name yeah uh, you know professors then it has to be professor menon she uh, you know who i took great books with and then i've done so many things including uh, the person under whom i'm writing my dissertation <laughs> she keeps pushing us to think more and you know think more rigorously she leaves no argument unturned and uh, arunava sena he's been an everything mentor for me uh, from translation interviewing reviewing and so many literary activities on campus he's he a uh, person who's thought about it and then told us and then he doesn't even take credit he sits back and he uh Caesar's organizing mm-hmm. these programs and mm-hmm. and that kind of passion for work is infectious uh there's professor mandakini dubey who's the most nourishing professor i've had uh she inspires sincerity in the work that we do uh truthfulness uh, you could say professor sharif mm-hmm. yusuf has uh introduced me to an eclectic range of ideas and there's professor bazaz uh who who you know reminds us that we should never forget why we are doing this uh never forget the question of ethics when we are doing our study and professor kotari uh, for all the fresh perspectives that she brings to the discipline itself uh and outside the university itself i think that uh, scholars like you aranand murthy uh Lauren Ballant Barbara Johnson Rajeshwari Sundararajan and uh, and Gayatri Spivak my god Gayatri mm-hmm. Spivak I I think I 
I whenever I'm uh, uh, I feel a little bit down to I go and read and I'm, I'm motivated back into the work that uh, we all do. Lovely, and I think uh, all of that has really contributed in uh, your passion towards literature, and also eventually factored into uh, your application to the Rhodes Scholarship, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. uh, moving on to the Rhodes, I think uh, just a little introduction. The Rhodes Scholarship uh, is the oldest, most prestigious international scholarship, enabling students with outstanding intellect, character, leadership, and commitment to service. to pursue their study fully funded at the university of oxford vignesh is one of the five students to have received it this year from india after a highly selective and intensive application process vignesh in your interview with shreya for ashoka university you are very nonchalant about applying when did you decide that you were going to first apply i see trisha you've done a lot of research <laughs> uh, but yeah i was in the sense i mean that's how it happened i remember when i i was you know in the lockdown i was at the university because uh, i didn't go back home for the midterm and then there were no flights available and it was very expensive whatever was available so the lockdown i spent there came back and as my father was bringing me from mysore to uh, from bangalore to mysore sorry i i said you know i'm going to take a gap year there's make and so I, I i mean working at home is not going to be very easy and at the same time i still have to think a lot about what i want to do for my phd so probably a year is going to help for me to sit back and contemplate uh, and i translation project so i'm going to work on that i'll take a gap year i'll work on those things and so on and so forth then i realized that mm. i think it um last year my friend uh, ritom chakraborty he would hmm. applied he reminded that you know the applications are open and uh, i thought well why not i just uh, fill in this one thing uh, along with the studying and all of that that i'm doing and if it works out it it will and if it doesn't then it doesn't i'll still have the experience of applying to things so that's how it began um uh, and then in the process of application of course i realized that uh the road scholarship itself the scholarship itself uh comes from the ethos of education and mm-hmm. it very much al- uh my project that of of how i think an education in the humanities is very much required and has to be integrated in a more organic way in the primary education in primary education too and so i thought i'll put all of that into the uh, application and if it works out then it should so uh, vignesh what was the most important or challenging part of the application process from the beginning yeah so i i mean i want to say that it was the personal statement because i worked on a month for it but i think the most uh, difficult i mean rather than difficult challenging part of the uh, process was were the interviews mm-hmm. uh, and the thing is you don't know what questions are going to come right yeah. and you can't even predict the field Uh, from which these questions are going to come it's not uh, an interview for a particular program which mm-hmm. means then that you you know can brush up your uh, ideas about that uh, field or something like that it's a it's both academic and personal and to do with your extracurricular activities if you have put them uh, in the application so anything that you've put in the application uh, is open for 
uh, and anything that's uh, happening currently outside uh, in the world is a field, uh, is a prospective field for the kinds of questions that can come. So in that sense, the interview was very challenging. But at the same time, I think it is a learning process because about the work that we do, because I think we all, when we work, we are just uh, scheduling our work and, you know, doing them. Uh, going on doing them and so uh, the Rhodes interview process allowed for uh, uh, for self-reflection for contemplation as to why we are doing this why did we do this why might it be important and maybe there's no importance caution to that at all you know to think about all of these things I think the uh, interview process was a great opportunity. And also, Vignesh, so since the Rhodes application process was online this year, how was your mm. experience of the process, especially when a significant element being physically present for mm. the social engagement uh, portion was absent? Mm. See, the online, the, uh, I don't know if the online process really brought any real impediments to the application process, you know, writing okay. the SOP and things like that. Uh, but interview, definitely. I mean, usually mm -hmm. there are only two interviews, but this year they made it three interviews. Right. Uh, and three interviews, so it was every interview, the period between each interview uh, and the anticipation of what might come uh, was, uh, you know, it made, it made me a little nervous. So that was there. But otherwise, I don't, I mean, I don't know about the social engagement. I don't know what I've missed because I don't know what it is like to have that, you know? Right. So, so I don't know what really I've missed. Uh, I think one thing though is that the, all the finalists get to meet in that social engagement. And we only had, a, the substitute we had was a small call on the previous day on Zoom, an hour long call and I by the time we introduced ourselves mm. uh, the time's up oh, so gosh. I think that the kind of uh, bonding we could have created probably uh, mm. if we had a physical social engagement that didn't happen uh, the, I think the most challenging part for me was uh, not about the online bit I think it had to do with the fact that the programs that I want to do further are also to do with literature and yeah. to explain uh, how the importance of literature or yeah. because in a sense, a component of the roads also has to do with development of, uh, you know, society in whichever small or big way that can be. And uh, literature doesn't lend itself to that kind of statistical way in which you can very easily say, Oh, look, development has happened. Yeah. Uh, and to convince uh, that that mindset training happens because of reading. That re that the training of reading itself is crucial uh, to any field. In fact, uh, is to convince that I think was a little challenging to me. Hmm. And speaking of um, you know the fact that you weren't able to interact as much as you would have liked to with the other applicants. Uh, have mm. you noticed a pattern or a commonality among the scholars that were selected this year? And do you think this has changed in recent years? Mm. I don't know if it has changed in the sense I first of all don't know if there's a pattern. Uh -huh. uh, this year I, I can definitely speculate that there isn't. I mean, we have met after the uh, uh, results were announced. And I think, 
I think we all realize that we we come from such diverse positions uh, in terms of you know our stances maybe, uh, and in in terms of the fields too. Even the two uh, uh, students who come from law uh, are. Uh, uh, you know, bring a different perspective to uh, their field. So I don't think that there is a pattern in that sense. And to think of commonalities with the rest of the cohort uh, from India, I, I don't know if I can say anything about that because I don't know about them. We've realized, I think, that there's a lot to learn from each other. And if we, if that is the position, then it means that there is no immediate pattern that we can draw you know so what um i think what this question really was uh, trying to get at was whether there is a metric mm-hmm. of some sort uh, when it comes to um mm-hmm. what they're looking for um in a road scholar right mm. i don't uh I, I don't know if I know that metric, you see, mm-hmm. uh, because I am a candidate. Uh, <laughs> right. So my my job throughout the process <laughs> was to do with my application, my uh, state, what, what are the state, what have I said in the statement? What are my projects? Why am I interested in it? So I, it was more, uh, you know, self-introspection and I wasn't thinking about the grand scheme of things and, you know, what, mm-hmm. how do I fit into that metric maybe if there is one? So I didn't think about that and I don't even know if that's going to be helpful, you know, maybe it's, you know, think about it like the Ashoka interview. So there, there are d- different metrics, I think, and they evaluate us individually also as to what is this person's uh, project and prospects and why does this person want to do it. The emphasis, I really think, is during the interview, after, you know, we've whatever metrics they have in terms of, you know, some, some educational uh, metric and some standard of, you know, work. I think that they are looking for uh, if we are open to thinking with them. Uh, they pose a lot of questions that we may not have at all thought about, even in our preparation for the interview. And, uh, and if we are able to think with them, I think uh, they are, they're looking for that kind of thoughtfulness. Got it. And uh, I suppose it's always difficult to answer questions like how you will impact the world or your work, how it will add value to people's lives. Um, How did Mm. you broach questions like this, which I'm certain came up in your application process? Hmm. Yeah, I think versions of such questions definitely came up. Uh, And the way in which... See, it's very, I think... I can't think of it that way. How do I say, oh, my work is going to impact the world <laughs> or anybody's work for that matter is going to impact the world. It, it will impact a few people, definitely. And, and we should hope that, uh, that our work has some uh, value. But I don't know if I'm defining again that value in a very uh, you know, statistical way. Uh, to me, I, my project is to do with genres, uh, is to do with forms of literature. It goes back to that first course that English majors have to take at Ashoka University. Mm-hmm. It has to do with genre. And, uh, and I think a way in which I thought about this during the interview process was about the form of tragedy and the lack of it in classical 
classical Indian literature, and this comes from, uh, you know, the classical performance course that I was doing during that time at the university. So, you know, influences happen that way. It's right. it's context-ridden. The you know the touch things touch each other, and uh, you know, so many new ideas come up. So I was then thinking about the form of tragedy also, uh, of the lack of it. And if that means that the modes in which we narrate our sorrows today, even today, uh, comes with a certain sense of invalidation of that sorrow too. And I'm thinking about notions like, you know, everything happens for the good, right. or, you know, we have a, you know, next life, or the, the uh, papas and punyas of our previous life has determined the course of action here. So, you know, all these notions, does that mean that we don't give enough attention to the sorrows of our life, to the tragedies, to the, uh, to the, how do I put it, to the, um, to the way in which uh, our individual uh, lives and desires may not completely align with the way in which the world is structured, you know, all of these kinds of things. So I was thinking about that, and I think explaining uh, why these narratives or why thinking about narrativization itself is important lent a lot of uh, value to the project that I described in my personal statement. I think that ties in uh, very well to my next question for you, which is with regard to your work for Scroll. So having interviewed uh, Asna Siastad, Stephen Greenblatt, Lem Sisse, and Yashika Dutt, among other brilliant literary personalities um, on topics chronicling caste space reservations in private universities, radicalization, and even right-wing authoritarianism, um, how, according to you, does literary journalism play a role in making meaningful change? Uh, meaningful change, I don't know if that has happened. I, I, the project for me was, uh, I mean, even as I was thinking about these topics, which are all important to think about for everybody, mm. I think it was also uh, personal concerns. Uh, okay. So there was writing about things that one hasn't experienced, for instance, mm. instead right with especially my interview with Asna yesterday my it was it came completely from a personal space uh, and she is a western journalist hmm. uh, and she has gone to multiple countries afghanistan uh, and she has written about those countries and a lot uh, a, a big chunk of my questions had to do with what it means to not be a person of that culture and yet to go and write about it and the uh, and the responsibility that comes with it. And I think in a way I was thinking more abstractly about uh, writing about things that one hasn't experienced. Where do we draw that boundary? If we say uh, she cannot write about Afghanistan because she is not from Afghanistan or she cannot talk about India because she's not an Indian. And you see this happened mm. in India too, right? If if there are, this happens in India too, if there are foreign students or foreign uh uh, writers speaking about India or even foreign nationals speaking about India even from outside, then the immediate response is that it's none of your business and you don't know the cultural context here to comment or things like that. And, and to an extent it's true, I, but that doesn't mean that one can't learn those 
contexts. Uh, mm. One can't think critically before taking a position, right? So, and where do we draw those boundaries? Uh, I'm from Karnataka, and so do you say I can't then write about Tamil Nadu? And mm. so do you then say I can't write about Bangalore because I'm from Mysore? And at the end of the day, what happens is I can only write about myself mm-hmm. and nothing else, mm-hmm. which is such a, a tragedy because that's never the case. I mean, if if anything, literature teaches us that we that we use imagination to uh, access another, uh, to access our alterity. So I think that was one space. On the other, there's there was the rising nationalism and the rhetoric there. And then there was also about university too. At the same time, we were talking about uh, the popular discourse in the country was about how JNU and universities like that are useless, that humanities is useless too, and we shouldn't yeah. taxpayers' money is going down the drain and you know all of these kinds of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So there was that too. So I think all my questions in those interviews uh, revolved a lot around this. And mm-hmm. Yashik, that is a brilliant uh, thinker. Uh, you know, we should all read her book called Coming Out as Dalit. And, uh, and I, that too came from a very personal space because whenever I talked about caste here in my hometown and with people that I know, they always brought up questions like, uh, oh, but, you know, merit and, you know, things like all of these come from a very literary perspective rather than a you know journalist perspective. Mm-hmm. It comes from reading their work. It comes from reading what they're saying there at the moment. So there's all of that. So Vignesh, how was your three? Uh, how was your experience of your three years at university? What do you cherish most about it? Classes, undoubtedly. I mean, I can think about uh, how other things I may have accessed elsewhere, but the classes and the standard to which these classes run at Ashoka, I am absolutely amazed and indebted to it. Uh, and, and the range of ideas, I think, that one has encountered in these four years uh, and the freedom to thinking and the binding to explain your thinking, all of these things... I really cherish the classroom experience is undoubtedly on the top of my uh, highlights at Ashoka. And, and so that, that would, because it takes the biggest amount of chunk, the experience mm. of the university itself mm. is the highlight of the, these many years of my life, I can say, actually. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I, what I really appreciate about this is, is if in my house, for instance, or mm. in, in here, when I'm talking to people and when discussing any issue, if I go on, uh, you know, thinking about the various factors of that issue or aspects of that issue, then I'm immediately shut down by saying, you know, you stop making mm. all of this so complicated <laughs> when it is not. Right. So that's mm. one side of the, uh, you know, spectrum. On the other side, uh, it's very similar, unfortunately, is mm. all of these people intellectualizing things, right. you know, so there's yeah. that too. In fact, I remember that this happened with, uh, you know, when Professor Pratap Banu Mehta, you know, just he said that I'm going to continue teaching, but I'm not, I'm going to withdraw from my duties as vice chancellor. We had a, a caricature or cartoon or something like that, where, you know, this is with Professor Mehta going back to the ivory tower as it yeah. was. So all of this is a watered down, uh, uh, you know, understanding of 
uh, of intellectual activity itself. Uh, and I think that uh, if you're open to it, uh, you realize that the problem isn't that there's not enough action or something like that, that there's not enough thought behind action. Uh, and it mm. is, and it is that which a university forces you to do. Uh, and we should never take that for granted, I think. And that I cherish the most. Definitely. Um, one would imagine to have been a part of and excelled at so many different things at Ashoka, along with pursuing uh, rigorous academic work, must have been unimaginably strenuous for you. So what does Vignesh do to unwind? I listen to Carnatic music a lot. I'm always listening. So I think that's, that, was, that is one activity that you can say I do to unwind. I also talk to people. It's, it really uh, invigorates me. I talk to people and, I, and we discuss the latest work either they have read or I've read or something that's happening outside, mm. uh, some newspaper article or a film that, you know, whatever, you know, just something. Pick an idea, talk about it. Mm -hmm. and, the, and I think it really uh, energizes me. So th those two things you can say are my unwind activities. And how does graduate study play into your career? Uh, what do you see yourself doing when you, what did you first see yourself doing when you started Ashoka and has that changed? Yes, yeah, so when I came into Ashoka, Trisha, I still had, uh, and it continues, the dream continues, it is to uh, teach. Uh, and by teach, I just don't mean teach in the university, teach a you know, range of demographics. Right. Uh, on the one hand, I'm very interested in teaching uh, teaching the very syllabus that we have, uh, but in a different pedagogy in primary and secondary education. So there's that. And then on the other hand, there is the humanities education at the university. So both these I find crucial uh, and I hope to do that in the future. Uh, with the roads, I think the former part that I said uh, has now become a much more uh, focused part of my life uh, when, you know, academia was the only thing that I was thinking about before. Uh, yeah. Graduate study and academia and research and teaching in the university was the only things that I was thinking about before. And I thought, you know, after there, we can come to this. Uh -huh. uh, but now there's an equal emphasis on both of them because uh, I am sure that I'm going to find people who are uh, interested in this project collaborations that I can forge uh, at that place. And of course, there's always the fact that you get influenced by things after you experience them. So I'm uh -huh. waiting for the things that may touch me and change me there too, like things have done at Ashoka University. I mean, who would have thought that I would be, uh, that I would go as an literary journalist to GLF and interview mm -hmm. this people or something met Arunava Sinha and yeah. he in his infinite kindness sent me so you know yeah and uh, which program did you finally pick uh, I remember the choice was between a master's degree in 19th century literature or comparative yeah. uh, literature right yeah comparative literature and critical translation I've actually now applied for both oh lovely and I'm waiting for the result <laughs> uh, but I think I'm more uh, uh, 
my inclination is towards 19th century literature mm-hmm. uh, i mean i love among all the periods i love the field there in english mm-hmm. literature i love that field i love uh, the bronte sisters uh, and uh, elizabeth gaskell so i love these uh, uh, these two i mean i can't really two it's three plus one these four writers very much uh, <laughs> and at the same time it also has to do with the project i described in the statement there i'm thinking about canada too not just english so what happens here when you go through the literary history of karnataka is that once the 19th century novel and poetry the romantic poetry came into uh, karnataka or what is today called karnataka mm-hmm. we had a, an immediate shift in the forms of literature uh and expression here when until then we had court poetry and champukavya and things like that and you know uh, writing in the courts in front of the kings there was a an immediate transformation in both poetry and prose uh the novel the short story the themes that they started uh exploring here uh, mm-hmm. all of that has had influences from that uh field of study, uh, field of literature so i want to study that very uh, thoroughly before okay. i can think about what influences it has had on kannada literature too mm-hmm. and uh, vignesh what is being ashoka's first undergraduate road scholar mean to you yeah you know i get this question a lot a lot i'm it, sure <laughs> it is i want i don't know if this is going to sound blunt or arrogant i don't know but it's just the most honest feeling it doesn't mean anything it means a lot to me that mm-hmm. uh, i i studied at ashoka and it has helped me in so many ways to uh, be the reader that i am today uh, but but i don't know about this first business right. i mean what does it mean to be first born it's accidental so it's accidental in that mm-hmm. sense that i am the first uh ashoka not you know the accident of time you can say um, i mean my if, if i can relate this question to the first bonds my sister is much more intelligent than me <laughs> and okay. she's going to give you a better interview uh, even I look today. forward to it <laughs> so uh, so in that sense uh, i don't know what this first thing has to do this mm-hmm. narrative of the first i'm sure like i told in the interview to shreya too right. i'm sure there will be many more and they will be all be wonderful and there are so many wonderful people who did not even think of applying to the road scholarships mm-hmm. so you know yeah so i want to go on to the crowd sourced questions um mm-hmm. that we we did through the instagram uh, q and a session so one of mm-hmm. them is how important is your university gpa when applying ah uh, I don't know I I'm sure that there is some cutoff mentioned in the uh, application process and this is true for all programs right yeah. graduate programs or scholarships anything there is some cutoff and I think that's all is the measure of that gpa i don't think we should put a lot of stress on gpa right. uh, while at the university you know edict had a wonderful article about it hmm. uh, in making us think beyond grades so even while at the university let's focus on the classroom experience and the learning and while applying let's focus on our research questions on what we want to work on and why we want to work on them rather than the grade itself i would say mm-hmm. and uh, next question so what would you have majored in if not literature 
Mm, tough question. <laughs> Impossible for me to Impossible. think. Impossible. <laughs> yeah, but probably psychology. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, probably psychology. But otherwise, li- literature anytime. You know, I remember in the orientation week, I, you know, I'd set my mind. I was already enrolled in another literature program before coming to Ashoka. I left that oh. and I came to uh, this university. And there in the orientation day, I went through the different disciplines, yes. And mm. each one of them was enticing in its own way. And I okay. thought, oh, really? Do I, do I really like literature? And then you come to the literature orientation. There was the last session of the day. Uh, oh. And again, it was, like a, uh, it was like confirmation of the fact that this is what I came to do. Hmm. Uh, so definitely literature and with the department at uh, Ashoka with the department that we have at Ashoka why should I think about uh, you know majoring in something else literature any day and uh, how much of a difference did your staying for the ASP make to you as a student I mean, very much, I would say, as a literature student, definitely, because like I was saying, I think very recently somebody asked this on Facebook too. Uh, mm. we, have, we would have done only 12 courses by the time we graduate in the third year. And in the first whole year, the only course that we would have done is forms of literature. And I don't think that's enough of, you know, uh, uh, disciplinary work that we would have done in English by the time we graduate with a BA honors. I mean, you have to do that because it's UGC regulation. I think that uh, the the upper level electives are really, there's so much foundational work that would have happened in these three years. And you can see that coming out in the courses that you do in your fourth year. And the opportunity to work on a single project for the entire year with such uh, generous supervisors uh, who are constantly thinking with you, who are with you all the time, uh, I think uh, you can't find this opportunity in many other universities, an undergraduate thesis. Uh, and the way in which it's done at Ashoka, right? I, I know so many theses where uh, th- there is a stipulation of you to have to first write a literature review and then an introduction. And all of these things seem m- more... Uh, formulaic rather than a work of thought Mm. Uh, and the fact that it's just 25 pages right so it's not a kind of grand big thesis just 25 pages but but every word in that 25 pages has to be thoughtful Mm. Uh, so this opportunity is uh, really you know great and anybody who uh, has the uh, uh, chance to do it should do it um, so what, as a Shokins, do you think what is the most significant resource we should tap into to make uh, the most out of our time at Ashoka? And what would be crucial in an application process like the roads? I don't know about application process. I'm sure everything at the university has helped me. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, a, every activity that I've got into has definitely helped me. The, when you asked me the first question, I, the, the immediate answer that came to my head, two things came to my head. Uh-huh. One was people, mm-hmm. uh, friendships, you know, because uh, we meet some extraordinarily talented and uh, and, and people with a lot of integrity too uh, at, at the university. And, uh, and th- this is almost a cliche by now. I've heard this so many times mm-hmm. by professors themselves, but it is actually true that a lot of learning happens outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. 
in conversation with people with mm. but most importantly with friends mm. and i'll tell you the difference between that is i think there's an extent to which you can go into a conversation with uh acquaintances but with mm. friends there's a much more uh, uh, you know the borders of how much you can disagree and how mm. intense you can get in that conversation is uh, you know quite uh, a wide field there and so uh, my friends have been uh, a great great uh uh how do i put it? i can't call it there there's no other word apart from friends that i can use uh, mm-hmm. for the, to explain the intensity of what they are to me uh i've mentioned these three people even in the ashoka interview but uh shri yashasvi and adit uh what they have made me uh i, I don't know if i can describe it because i haven't thought about it so much but i know that they've had a lot of influence both personally and academically so there's that uh you will find people here your people here and uh and you have to really never take that for granted that uh, and and because you're living in the university they become almost family mm-hmm. to you uh and sometimes know you better than your family because there are so many things that you may not want to talk with your family that you do with your friends so there's that on the other hand the thing that i the thing that i think we should never ever forget that we are uh, we have the space to do is uh, is thinking we don't have any decisions to take immediately mm. like in the outside world and therefore uh, therefore we can the the process of thinking can be uh, eternal which is mm. which has its you know pluses and minuses but we can be cognizant of those pluses and minuses as we do that uh, now while i say that i know that is a point of criticism already about the university right we are uh, there so many times i've heard that you know this university is a bubble but i think that's a very diluted idea of what we have at the university we should never ever forget the value of slow thinking that mm. uh, the university fosters and the curiosity with which we can go and instead of confirming our biases or instead of knowing already you know saying okay i know this and you know this text teaches me this uh with that sense of superiority where we are better than the text or we are better than the course i think to go to a course with a, a, you know as a clean slate to learn a new uh, with with that curiosity it, it really helps uh and about that bubble bit really i just have to say that uh that that anti intellectual stance is actually not helpful even to the kind of social justice we are thinking because what we need is more people attending the university you know rather than saying that there's a much more complicated relationship between university and the society mm-hmm. rather than the one that we make to be you know just extreme you know extremely separate one is a bubble and one is not and mm-hmm. i've all kinds of people say this right it's not just uh you know some parents or some students or some teachers even uh, they, there's a much more complicated relationship there and we need to uh we need to be attentive to that relationship and do our work with much more uh sincerity rather than uh being highly skeptical of the university and 
what we do here. If, if the university was not actually important, then the powers that be would not actually be hell-bent on trying to destroy the ethos of this, of this place. I mean, I'm not just talking about Ashoka. The fact that everybody says JNU is, a, uh, is, a, is, is actually a space that's of no use at all is actually a recognition of the threat that is to, yeah. the, to the power. So we shouldn't so easily, we ourselves in the university should not dismiss uh, our institutions. I mean, it's another way, it's, it's another thing to fight for the injustices that are happening inside our institution. That's very different. I'm talking about the idea of the university itself, which is under attack from all kinds of ideologues. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to be uh, very careful about where we stand there. I think that was very well put, Vignesh. Uh, since we've come to the end of the podcast, do you have any last couple of things you'd like to say to us? I, I, I only wish that we all have the time, space and the conditions. Uh, I, I hope that we have the time, space and conditions to read more uh, and think more and live reflectively. Uh, yeah, that, I, I think that's it. I think that that's a perfect end to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Vignesh. This has been immensely helpful to me personally, and I'm sure to all of our viewers. Wishing you the best of luck at Oxford next semester. And thank you again for being a part of this podcast. Uh, thank you, Trisha. Uh, I too uh, enjoyed uh, answering these questions, and I was very, very happy to be a part of this. Thank you.